You are listening to the Scars and Guitars podcast series. My name's Andrew Mackay-Smith, and I've got the very talented MJ from Dear Willow to share with you as an interview subject on this particular instalment of the podcast series. The reason for the conversation is to promote her upcoming, certainly at the time of narrating this introduction, her upcoming EP. It's called Hold Yourself Down. So let's have a listen to what MJ has to say. Here we go. Hi, I'm good. How are you? Good, good. I've been looking forward to our chat because it's very rare that I get to have a conversation <laughs> with a Sunshine Coast artist, but I think this is the only the second time in well over 300 interviews that I've done because the, pre- oh, wow. <laughs> the predominant source of my interview subjects is actually overseas. So oh. I'm, I'm sort of going backwards. <laughs> I know most people start with local indie artists and the like and then build from there, but just the way things, it's, yeah. things have worked for me is I've started overseas with artists that are signed to Sony and Nuclear Blast and... I've slowly worked my way back, and, and Lee's been a wonderful source of artists, <laughs> you know, through uh, Firestarter music. And now here we yeah, are. Cool. So I think um, Victoria and Dan from Fragile Animals are the only other Sunshine Coast-based okay. artists that I've spoken I was wondering to. if it might be them. Yeah, well, I had a really good chat because I've, I've spent a lot of time on the Sunshine Coast. I've still got a property in oh, Maroochydore, cool. so I know it like the back of my hand. Huh. And I'm yeah, mate. just a big fan of just trying to get Sunshine Coast music out to the world. So, but it's, it's, <laughs> it's not easy in so far as I've learned that you've got to get an artist who's in a position such as yourself or where Victoria's at in that have a wonderful release like you do with Hold Yourself Down Behind You that's recently been released or about to be released. It has some get up and go in that they can actually perform on stage in front of people. There's a lot of, when I say indie artists, who don't quite yeah. have it together yet, aren't at the stage yourself and Victoria are at. I guess so. I I know. I guess everyone's in quite a different spot, but yeah, like Victoria and myself, we've both been, I guess, doing music for a while and kind of only just starting to properly release now. So I guess we've had a bit of um, performing behind us. Yeah, you've served a long apprenticeship, and I think you need to do that. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you know, so I think yeah, you need to do a hard it. Job. Uh, yeah, yeah. So let's stick to subject matter associated with the Sunshine Coast. Where, where about did you start? Yeah. Did you start playing around town early on, or were you from Brisbane originally? No, no. I grew up on Sunshine Coast hinterland um, in a little area in between Kenilworth and Mullaney um, called Kinnaman Creek. Uh-huh. Um, yep. So about 50 minutes from the beach and I grew up on a farm there and um, when I first started gigging I was actually living up in um, the Mapleton <laughs> sorry so many okay. yeah. Um and so yeah I've always been local and I actually just moved down towards the coast only maybe four or five years ago okay yep and do you find yeah. that do you, do you find it's easy to plug into and connect with other musicians on the Sunshine Coast yeah, actually, we've got a really friendly bunch around here, and it's very much like a community on the Sunshine Coast thing. I guess because it's pretty small, that helps. It does indeed. Yeah, I look, it's I worked for Telstra, so I worked between the Sunshine okay. Coast and Cairns, but I was based on the Sunshine Coast, and uh, I. Yeah. Uh, it's probably fair to say I knew no musicians whilst I was working for Telstra, and <laughs> I've gotten to know a few through, <laughs> through what I'm doing right now, but. The quality yeah. of the material, the stuff that you're releasing here, it's it's got legs. I think it's going to do something pretty extraordinary for you. It's just a case of whether or not, Thank you. whether or not 
somebody can get behind it and take it further for you? Because I know it's hard. I know it's bloody hard for an indie artist yeah. to be doing what you're doing. It, it's not actually, unfortunately, it's not actually about the quality of your material. It's about who gets to hear it. No, definitely not. Yeah, totally. So what's your... What's your uh, well, like you said, I've been working with Firestarter and they've yep. definitely got the ball rolling for us, which is awesome. And if you got a bit of a band behind you, or uh, yeah, there's a, there's a really good pick on social media out there of you performing at Soul Bar, which anybody who knows the Sunshine Coast will know that's the venue, certainly in Maroochydore and yeah. Ocean Street. There. <laughs> so, have you got a band behind you, or do you prefer just to stand uh, to to perform solo? No, I've got a band. Um, I've been working with session musicians the last couple of years, but this year I've actually um, got a band happening in membership kind of capacity. So uh, Dear Willow is kind of transitioning from a solo project to a band project, which is very exciting. He's exciting. Uh, so yeah. we work as a four-piece. Okay, and does that mean there's going to be tours and a bit of promo to support this wonderful release of yours? Um, we're still working on the touring section, but we've definitely got release shows around Brisbane, Sunshine Coast, and we're working on some Gold Coast shows as well. Okay. All right. So what's the feedback been like? And I probably should preface that comment by saying, has the EP <laughs> been released yet? No, the EP itself comes out on the 14th of September. So far, we've got two singles out from it. Okay. So there's four tracks. I've been listening to it quite a bit, actually, because my kids do enjoy it. I must say, they actually, I love it oh, when cool. <laughs> music finds a place in my life. I say this often in my podcast series and on the radio show that I host, but yeah. I love it when it happens. And you know, with your music, take this as about the highest compliment that they're going to give an artist. They call it Elsa music, <laughs> which of course references Frozen, if you've been around kids in the last couple of years. <laughs> so, That's hilarious. <laughs> I love that. <laughs> so I think we had I on nieces, so I know who Elsa is. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Well, it's, it's a great compliment because they, uh, <laughs> I've, I, I tend to interview a lot of artists from heavy metal, and uh, Alyssa White Gloves okay, is the yeah. tremendous frontwoman for uh, Arch Enemy. So they tend to name music that associates with their world. So Elsa music is what yeah. they call your music. They know they know what Arch Enemy is, Alyssa, because I interviewed Alyssa, and they, they like listening to that interview there. So yeah, it's it's yeah. a wonderful thing when you can cross over, and I think that's. I was keen to relay that to you because my kids sometimes when I put on music, they'll, they'll tell me to get it off. But your one in particular was like, oh, yeah, that's Elsa music in the background there. Oh, cool. Well, thank you. And thanks, kids. That's awesome. <laughs> so tell us about the inspiration behind the four cuts on the EP here. Is there is there a lyrical thread or a, a lyrical a theme or a thread that runs through the lyrics? Um, I wouldn't really say intentionally but I guess they're all um they're all kind of situational songs um I don't necessarily write about like so North for Winter that's about heartbreak and I guess it's not even necessarily about the person it's kind of just about how I dealt with the situation same as hold like that's about um your circumstances and timing and stuff and I guess um yeah I guess I don't specifically write my songs about people so they're all kind of just about how I deal with situations and um how I kind of I don't know just like learn to evolve through it so I guess that's kind of the only theme with them um they were actually meant to be a different pick of songs um we had to drop two songs from it and then added in the city mm -hmm. um which is third track um 
Okay. So it was meant to be a slightly different, but this is how it turned out. Um, but I guess uh, it's quite a compilation because I haven't released an EP before, this being my debut. So there's a bit of um, back catalogue that I'm working through with this EP. Rightio. So are these, um, yeah. so are the, are these cuts <laughs> that have been in your repertoire for a while and you've just perfected them to the, to the point where you're happy with them and put them on the EP or are they recently written? Um, North for Winter, I actually wrote when I was 18. I'm 24 now. Mm. Um, the City, I wrote maybe three or four years ago. Hold, I think I wrote two years ago and I was young. I wrote it about a year and a half ago. Okay. So a mixture. A mixture. Good stuff. And, uh, they talk about this, don't they, in terms of, uh, there are a lot of examples of it where there's a killer EP or a killer first album and they call it the soft, sophomore slump. Now I'm not suggesting for a moment you're going to experience that, but <laughs> have you got enough songs, other songs that you're working on that you might have written over the last, say, uh, you've, you've mentioned there that you're 24 now, you're 18 when you wrote the first yeah. song. So you've written these songs over a six year period. So are there other songs that you've written over the six year period that will make an album in the future, do you think? I have so many songs, and um, I'm actually just, like, super excited for this one to be out so I can do the next one. <laughs> Good on you, um, yeah. Because I've already got in my mind the next ones to um, use this as a stepping stone onto. So as much as I'm excited for this to be out, I'm even more excited for the next batch. Mm. Yeah, I think people will be too, uh, on the strength of the four cuts here, because uh, I'm a big fan of the EP, it must be said, particularly as a first release, because it gives people an opportunity. I think a lot of the time, yeah. no, I'm not referencing any artists in particular here, but as an, an album as a debut, debut is a lot for a listener to take in when there's no history or you've got no background on an artist. But an EP, particularly yeah. in this environment where we listen to, most people listen to music via Spotify and Apple Music, you know, it's four mm. cuts and it's over within, say, 20 minutes or so and it gives people an opportunity to keep on returning and then your next release, let that be the album because then people have an understanding about the sort of music that you're prepared to put out there. Yeah, that's kind of how I'd always seen it and I guess the advice I'd always been given. But um, my, I guess one of the other reasons why I didn't start with an album is just purely the expense of it. Like there's so much work and expenses that go into recording um, and so I just wanted to give, make use of all the songs as much as I can hmm. and use them for as much as I can. <laughs> now, I'm looking at a photo here of you out the front of Rick's, which I've frequented many times in the valley. Yep. It, looks like it's a, uh, it looks like it's a bit of a showcase that you guys put on. So tell us about that show. Uh, so that was just uh, two weeks ago. Um, it's our first. I guess you'd call it a headliner, kind of. It was our show um, as our new ensemble, um, which is very exciting. And it was our first gig with our new bassist, second gig with our new guitarist, and third gig with our new drummer. <laughs> um, and so it was really good to cool. just kind of start getting our feet and um, start getting, um, I guess, our own space in Brisbane. Um, and getting set up with that. It was actually a really awesome night. Our drummer is like the biggest um, uh, sanguine, I guess you'd call him. Yeah. <laughs> like very energetic and smiley. So he like brought all his friends and between us all, we packed out the room, which was awesome. So it was a good first kind of headline Brisbane show. Yeah, it was awesome. Good on you. And, and I also noticed that David Dean, my good mate from Nambour, 
has liked this pick here. So do you know David, do you? <laughs> yeah. Yeah, so Good when I first started gigging, he um, yeah, he was my first booking agent, which was awesome. Okay, there you go. Yeah, people, I've done, because I'm good mates with him, I've actually dedicated one of my radio shows to him where I did an interview and we played selected cuts that he, uh, I think I went that far into it. Actually, I think the conversation was the full two hours because God knows whenever we get together, we talk each other's ears off. (laughs) But, uh, he's he's got a, he's got a lot of things to share about his experience because he's been doing it a bloody long time now. So did he, did he impart any of his special wisdom to you? Oh, yeah, definitely. I can't think of any good snappers off the top of my head, but um, he's like that crazy uncle that you don't see too often, but when you hear them, they're always happy to help you. And, yeah, had a great time with Dave. Yeah, it's like that, isn't it? Yeah, we've been thinking about some ideas. We were toying, I'll share this, about opening a venue in Nambour yeah. there, but it just it, I think it would be too hard, and I, I'm not sure that we could we could – I think it'd be a uh, a bit of a money pit. Unfortunately, we put a lot of money into it, and it just disappear in smoke. Mm. Um, so the intent. I, whenever is that... I think of opening venues, I think of money pit. <laughs> no matter where it is, I guess. Yeah, I think what you've got to do, particularly in, on the sunny coast. So my preference would be to go to Maroochydore. I know Soul Bar's already there on Ocean Street, but have a dedicated venue that yeah. probably has a capacity of maybe eighty people. Um, I don't, yeah, the yeah. licensing laws seem very tricky around that too, but you've also got to make use of the space because you're paying a rent on it, assuming you're le- leasing it through the daytime when mm. there's not music being played. Yeah. So what, what do you do with it then? Do you turn it into a coffee shop or what have you? And there's a hell of a lot of coffee shops in Maroochydores, you know, and they're all very good, you know, from the, um, the, yeah. couple, the couple that run the courthouse there or my good mate over there that runs the milk bar on sixth Avenue. Um, they're all yeah, okay. they're all fantastic shops there, and, and everywhere I look, I see competition that's better than whatever I could bloody do it, except for putting on the music, which you'd only do from maybe Thursday through to Sunday if you're lucky. Could turn it into a record store. <laughs> yeah, I've thought <laughs> about that too. <laughs> yeah, that's you're bang on with that one there. I've been getting into cassettes <laughs> lately. Let me tell you, I love cassettes and. Uh, there's something between me and my daughters that what we do is we pick up the cassette yeah. and they can put it in. And I bought an old, probably a 30-year-old cassette player, Denon brand, so it's a decent brand, but being 30 years of age, it's still going really well. Yeah. Uh, oh, a solid awesome. state thing. Uh, so it's going really well. But I'd love to, if it was a perfect world, I'd love to open up a record store that sold vinyl and cassettes and a few CDs. Yeah, that would be awesome. Yeah. There's a, a couple of really good ones in uh, Nambour, um, Backbeat Records, and oh, what's the other one? I don't know. It's also really There's really a couple good. there, though, isn't there? Yeah, Nambour's a good little scene, actually. Yeah. There's quite a few um, deathcore and metalcore bands that come out of Nambour, and I'm yet to sort of try to understand why yeah. that would be the case. But some good heavy metals coming out of there <laughs> at the moment, just probably because it's 20 yeah, kilometres Mule. further. Yeah, there you go. Yeah, it's, uh, it's, and it's. Yeah, good friends of mine. There you go. Yeah, there you go. You know all about it. Yeah, so it's, uh, I think yeah. there's, I think we just need, I think in, on the sunny coast, we've got enough. I wouldn't say we've got enough. Okay. But there are plenty of musicians. There's a lot of musicians there. What we don't have is mm. the population to yeah. support a music scene. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. That's my take on it. So that's the hesitancy that I have about opening up a venue. I mean, if I won, a billion dollars tomorrow, apart from giving a lot of it away to charity, that's what I'd be doing. <laughs> that's what I'd be doing. That's a good thing to have on your list. <laughs> well, you, you read about these people in the States that win those obscene 
lotteries that they've got over there that, uh, you know, they're giving away $600 million or whatever it might be, like extraordinary sums of money, and maybe not that much, but a lot of money. And uh, you think, what are they going to do with it all? I mean, most people wouldn't know what to do with a million dollars, yet alone an astronomical sum like $60 million or whatever it might be. Yeah. Well, don't they say that's why a lot of people that win the lottery end up just flat broke? Yes. Yeah, there's there's a couple of couple of uh, factoids out there about money. There's that one, and the other one is yeah. um, intergenerational wealth disappears after two or three generations. So, if just say your parents are wealthy and have earned money more or less through hard work, when they pass it on to their yeah. kids, the kids don't know what to do with it, so they go and spend it on stupid things. Well, they must yeah, because the they money disappears. Haven't had to work for it. Yeah, they don't understand the value of money. They might understand they've got money, but they don't mm. have the value of money. And uh, uh, yeah. If I had that kind of wealth, I'd just live off the interest and just just leave the capital there. Invest it somewhere and leave the capital Money there. Money chest. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Do some do some really cool stuff like open up a, a venue in Maroochydore or Nambour and imagine having Hell yeah. <laughs> imagine having a chain of really cool. I would call them wouldn't call them punk rock venues, but you know what I'm saying. Like venues that that, that yeah that can, capacity venues of a hundred. Having some on the Gold Coast, some in Brisbane, and some on Sunshine Coast, and just turn it into our own scene here and foster bands and yeah. give, a bit like what you might be um, too young for this, but there used to be a venue in the in Brisbane City called Rosie's Rosie's Live that was on Edward oh, Street. Young for it, sorry. I played there played there once, twice actually, more than that. Played there a few times. And uh, yeah. that was a place where you could virtually be any band. And granted, you might be playing on a Tuesday night or a Wednesday night at 9 p.m., but who cares? You're still playing live. Yeah, totally. You know, so. Wait, well, that's how I feel about playing on Thursday nights. I don't mind because I'm still playing. <laughs> Indeed. Hey, I'll, I'll bring it back to your wonderful release, okay? So the other thing I'm really impressed yeah, sure. with here is the artwork that you've got associated with uh, the EP cover. And also the single for I Was Young. So they've both got a bit of a floral theme going through them. So tell me about that. Um, I guess there's not too much um, symbolism in it um, other than I guess I just wanted um, the EP artwork to have the hands um, to just tie in with it. And I guess um, in that EP one with the leaves, that kind of organic, like these songs are very much like my beginnings, um, that came up, I guess that's all the symbolism in it. But I have a really um, talented friend. She's an illustrator. And I just said, Andrea, I want you to do something. And gave her a quick brief. And uh, that's the one that she came up with. And then um, the I Was Young single artwork, that's actually a design that I got tattooed, which I realized after I put it out that that might sound, um, I don't know, like a little bit, of an ego thing, but I actually didn't mean it to be like, oh, this is my tattoo. Everyone must like it. <laughs> um, I think it's wonderful. Yeah. Yeah, an amazing Sunshine Coast tattoo artist. Um, she whipped that up when we were in the shop, and then I got it tattooed on, and then when I was thinking of what to do for I Was Young, I messaged her, and she said I could use it. And I just figured it tied in with that, um, like the leaves and that sort of illustrative kind of vibe that I was going for with EP. So. Yeah, I, I, I like it yeah, a lot. Two, it ties in. Two amazing artists. Well, look, it ties in very well with what you're doing. I think you're a very feminine artist too, and these are lovely. These are beautiful graphics here, and they do – that yeah. was the comment that I, I was thinking, okay, I'll link things to, to 
I link things all the time. Okay, so when I saw that graphic, yeah. I thought that'd make a wonderful tattoo. So it doesn't surprise me at all that that it's it is a tattoo. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, well, I got it on my forearm, and I really like it. <laughs> Um, oh, good on you. Is it yeah, you? I guess that's interesting that you said that I'm quite a feminine artist, like musician, because I guess I um, one comment that I've had on our, our recent stuff is to kind of tap into that dreamy rock side of things, and I think that's a really cool way for us to go because it does link in with my voice very well. Yeah, you've got a beautiful voice. You, you have uh, a voice that I would term a lullaby voice. Take that as a very big compliment because it's very hard to do it. <laughs> It's your voice. I've heard that before. <laughs> well, it it comes across as being very sweet without being laboured, and a lot of people, when they sing, do sound laboured. That's the point. They're forcing something that isn't their natural voice. But I really get the impression mm. you're you. This is this is this is MJ. You're not getting a version of you projecting or trying to be somebody else. We've just got MJ up there, and that's how it is. Yeah, totally. Well, I guess I went through my vocal facades when I was a bit younger. Um, I kind of tried to be Julia Stone for a while and put on a bit of a baby voice because that was God, yeah. really, really up there when I first started playing. Mm. But um, I guess just after trying so many different voices, I found my own. Um, and I actually teach music during the week. And that's one of my biggest things is helping people to find their actual voice rather than the voice that they think is theirs. Because um, it's very easy to put vocal masks. On. It is, um, but it's so special when you do find your own because there's no one else like it. Yeah, whereabouts do you when teach? You do you, are get... you teaching school kids or are you teaching adults how to sing? Uh, both, actually. I teach out of my um, music room on the Sunshine Coast, which is awesome. So I teach school kids and I teach adults, and yeah, it's really fun. Yeah, I took lessons from a young lady many years ago who helped me enormously. You gave me a lot of. I'm a musician, I should should add, as well. And uh, I used to. <laughs> I got I, that. <laughs> yeah, well, I, I used to struggle playing and singing at the same time. So she gave me a few hints and tips about how to play and sit, mm. playing playing bass and playing playing bass primarily, which is a rhythmic instrument, as you as you're aware. So yeah, it's very hard to sing counterpoint, meaning sing a different note to what you're playing on the bass because the bass frequency is so very dominant. On the guitar, which of course uses two or three notes to combine to make a chord, it's a lot easier to do it because you can harmonise with one of the three. You don't even realise you're doing it. Mm. Um, Yeah, yeah, yeah. Bass, though, my God, did I... I've struggled with it through the years. It's still something that... It's a bit like golf. I play golf and I'm not that good at it some days and I'm better at it on other days, I think. (laughs) I, I don't know why, but it's just hot and cold and the same with singing so as as a uh a 40 year old aspiring singer what hints and tips have you got for me uh i would say look after your breathing so figure out where your diaphragm is and really use it mm-hmm. and then another one would be just making sure you're actually warmed up because that will if you're hot and cold then a lot of it is probably just that sometimes you're warmed up and sometimes you're not quite and that's going to make all the difference Mm. I've done that thing where I've been My driving. professional advice? <laughs> well, I'll take it. Believe me, yeah, I think you bang on with that. And I, uh, what I what I tend to do is I drive to the gig, and part of the problem is I'll mm. do my vocal warm-ups in the car. So I'm driving, nobody's in the car, and I'm doing all the yelling and screaming and carrying on and vocal exercises that we tend to do when we're going to gigs. <laughs> but then there's about an hour yeah. and a half between getting there, setting everything up, and then playing. And I'm playing covers, mm-hmm. so we're playing over a four- or five-hour period a lot of the time. 
Yeah, totally. And it's there might. I be have a... the same thing. Hey. Yeah. How do you get? How do you get over it? Or, or is it just one of those things that you're so um, experienced now? You just know. How so to, to keep it. warm. To keep warm. Um, so normally there's background music at the venue. Hey, hmm. like before you play. And so I'm always humming along in that kind of hour period because humming will keep you warm. Um, so people will be chatting and I'll just let everyone else kind of talk and I'll just be that little bit introverted. Um, make sure you're really hydrated because if there's background noise, chances are you'll talk louder. But if you just hum a lot along with the songs and that'll keep you warm if you've done your proper like, warm-ups before. Yeah. Yeah, it's um, which is pretty basic, but it's helpful. <laughs> well, you, you just said something really, really interesting there, which is that I'm not a big drinker. I really don't drink, um, but I do drink when I gig because I find that it actually, honest to God, it does help. Now, I'm not talking about getting drunk. I'm talking about two, but uh, I find yeah, that just it dries. I, I no, I'm I'm pretty cool, calm, and collected. Generally speaking, it's actually the most comfortable I ever am is on stage in front of people performing. It must be said, I'm not a not a uh, a showman or anything like that, but I just feel very comfortable behind yeah. the bass guitar and doing what it is that I do. But I find that when yeah. I drink, it dehydrates my my. Well, I I get a bit dehydrated because that's what alcohol does, and it makes my throat yeah. really tickle. So I'll be in the middle of say singing um, the chorus to Jimmy Eat World's because I'm a covers musician. Jimmy Eat World's, yep. um, what's the song by them? I'd always know it by the band name rather than the song. Hey, you done yourself oh, I'm away. Yeah, oh God, what's it called? Um, uh, yeah. Just take some time. That's the one. Yeah. So I'll be singing that. I'll be in the middle of taking the lead on the chorus in that. And then my, oops, there it goes. There's the tickle. And I'll have to sort of step away, have a really quick cough and then step back up again. But you see, you know, it's not what you want to do. You want to handle the vocal all the way through. And it's, I, uh, I'm probably just not a natural vocalist, I think is the key. And I'm forcing myself to do it. But, um, it's really important. Oh, you can you can become a natural. <laughs> well, I'm working at it. <laughs> I'm, I'll work at it. I'll keep It'll definitely at it. happen then. <laughs> yeah, I'll, I'll do my but best. But yeah, stay hydrated. That'll help you. Yeah, it's something I haven't. I'm just talking to you now. I suppose it's just clicked that that might be part of an issue. But I didn't think having two beers would actually be the problem. But maybe it is. Well, it's just you'd be surprised at how much water you lose. Like how dehydrated you get from just talking, let alone singing. When I do a set, I so if I do um, like three forty-five minute sets when I do my covers gigs because mm. I do cover gigs and oh, I do wow. weddings as okay. well on the side. Okay, I'm a full-time musician, so I got to make bank. Um, Good on you, yeah. <laughs> and so when I, when I'm doing those like three sets, I'll drink two liters of water in that time, just because yeah. you're expelling so much moisture. Yeah, you're and not wrong. So even if you've been dehydrated through the, uh, even if you've been hydrated through the day, you'll still expel so much moisture from singing. Yeah, the pro- got. Hope- ears won't do too much. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But the-, the expelling. Yeah, that's it. You use it. You're sweating a lot, aren't you? As soon as you start, I've noticed that. As soon as you start singing, you sweat. Playing doesn't do it, but singing yeah, bloody will do it. I even just mean moisture out of your mouth, like when you talk and. The air, like evaporating the water and stuff like that. Hmm. So you're a covers musician. <laughs> that's that's cool that you're doing that. And and have you got? Are you working with the yeah. Gig Factory or or Mick over at uh, Pushworth, or who do you go through? Myself. Oh, you I go direct. Own, yeah, I am my own booking agent at the moment for my um, side cover stuff and my wedding. Um, but I guess that's kind of what got me so comfortable gigging is just 
hours and hours of it, hey. Um, all those ones on your own where it's like you take the full weight as a solo acoustic mm. cover artist, I guess. Um, so you really learn how to hold all of the weight of the performance. So then when you do go with a band, like you're, you're on top of everything. It's great. <laughs> yeah, it's a bit like I, I heard, uh, I was listening to Jamie Jaster's podcast and he was interviewing uh, Mark Tremonti, who's the trendest guitarist from Creed, who does his own thing these okay. days. But he was talking about yeah, how yeah. when you play with some bigger bands, it's like if you he used a baseball analogy, so I'll convert it into our terminology and use cricket. Um, or or mm. well, cricket's probably the best one because he was talking about swinging swinging a bat and hitting a ball. But if you hit, use a heavier bat, you're going to hit it further. But he's saying you need to build yourself up to do that. And he's what his metaphor that he was using to equivalent that or make make sense of that was he was saying that playing with bigger artists like he was talking about Slayer and some of these sort of bands here, you're using a bigger bat. Mm. So when you when you step into a smaller environment, you don't realise how much more improved you are and the, the type of performance, the level that you've stepped up to until you've sort of gotten oh, out of yeah. that environment. And, and I think that's very similar to what you're talking about there by being a covers musician. And I know exactly what you're talking about because I play guitar yeah. as well. I haven't been the singer, I've been the guitarist and... I'm being the only one yeah. providing the instrumentation. You've got to just keep going, whether your hands are hurting or you're tired or what have you, because if you stop, the music stops. Yeah, it's all on your shoulders. <laughs> yeah, it's a lot of work. As a, I, I guess even just a rhythm guitarist in the band, there's still a lot of work, even if you're with people, but especially when you're solo. Yeah, build up that stamina for sure. What got you into playing music? Because you... you you're a bit of an old soul, I'm sensing. So this is something that you're probably <laughs> destined to do. But what got you started? Um, my family is very musical. Um, both my parents play guitar and sing. My dad played bass for a while as well. Um, and growing up, I just always sang. Um, even when I was like three, four years old at family gatherings, I'd sing. Um, what's the Titanic song? Celine Dion. Oh, how will go, go on. on. I think it is, but, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I would always sing at family gatherings and um, I just always loved to sing. And my mum really wanted us all, because I have a pretty big family as well, she wanted us all to play instruments so we could have a family band. Um, and so, yeah, siblings, uh, some of them play clarinet or violin, piano. Um, my brother's a producer and a sound engineer. And, um, so we're all very artistic because mum and dad were that way, especially mum. She's a very artistic person. And, um, yeah, even when I didn't play instruments, I always wrote lyrics and poems. And then when I was 14, I'd say, like 13, 14, I um, went to a new school. And I don't know why, but I just started to pick up guitar and I started my first um, duo and started properly writing songs with chords. And it just went from there and I picked it up very naturally. Before then I like dabbled a little bit and I taught myself a bit of violin and stuff like that. Um, and had always sung in choirs, but I just really wanted to write songs. And so when I was 14, mum showed me how to hold the guitar mm. and I went from there, which is pretty funny because I'm actually left-handed and she gave it to me right-handed. Oh, wow. So I just yeah. learned it right-handed. Um, yeah, and then I just taught myself how to play and write songs. 
So I definitely learnt the guitar very slowly um, because I didn't really have help and I was super independent, so I just did it by myself. Hmm. Um, but I'm very confident in my ability as a rhythm guitarist and I'm starting to delve into the world of lead guitarist, which is pretty fun. Yeah. Um, I'm terrible at it, but <laughs> definitely back to learning. Um, yeah, we just I think growing up in a really creative household helped with mum being um musician and she was always into writing and art. Um yeah, a couple of siblings are visual artists as well. Yeah. Yeah, I, th- I think I just always had a story to tell. <laughs> well, I think it's a yeah, you you have a wonderful story to tell there and I think it's so important and uh congratulations to your parents for fostering that cuz uh it's not like that for a lot yeah. of people, it must be said. I, I mean, you'd, you'd never know what the uh, the amount of people out there that could have become as accomplished as yourself that didn't get the support because they came from families mm. where music wasn't valued and uh, I'd venture to suggest yeah. that was a bit like mine. I didn't have any other musicians in the family and they just thought I was some little heavy metal idiot who just liked playing the bass guitar. It was, <laughs> turn it off, it's too bloody loud. Yeah, it's, it's, it's exactly yeah. what it was because I'm four, in my 40s. So I... Uh, up listening yeah. to Faith No More and Iron Maiden and Megadeth, and I used to get laughed at. Oh, wow. And uh, it was, uh, well, yeah. it, it is what it was, but you uh, you take a lot of inspiration from that, and it leads somewhere else. You might not, I've never played that style of music specifically, but it led to, it mm. was the first, in a, in, in, first in, in a staircase of, first in, in a very long journey, if you like, to where I'm at now, given that it started when I was about 11 or 12 years of age. And uh, yeah. those artists provided the inspiration for me to become a musician. And from there, I, I probably identify primarily if I was to label a sort of playing that I offer a band as funk and disco. Because I... Uh, I funk and disco? Cool. <laughs> yeah, I, I love playing. I, I really enjoy playing the bass guitar. That's sick. Yeah. It's, uh, I love playing... I uh, love bass. Yeah. I wish that I could play bass. Like, I've played it a little bit here and there. And any time I have, it's just been so fun to just get that little bit groovy and funky with it. But I've just never really had too much of a chance. But yeah. it's been so fun. It's a, I, I love playing it. I've, um, I play four string and five string bass. I've always found with the female vocalist, I use the five string because that low B yeah, okay. just acts as a platform to launch the female vocal. And I've been blessed to work with a few very, especially in the last year or so, um, Kelly from the band Vinyl Friends is, is outstanding, and now Billy Lee mm. from the band Velvet Kiss. I'm I'm working with Velvet Kiss, and okay. uh, we play at the casino Ooh. in the city here, and and uh, Treasury Casino in, in the city, and some other places. And I love playing with a female vocal who's got that real uh, Diana Ross characteristic and Christine McVie characteristic about it from Fleetwood Mac, because you've got yeah, to, okay. you've got to be a chameleon when you're playing these. that richness. Yeah, yeah, a, 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 a very, very uh, dominating female vocal with mm, that with that kind yeah. of music because we're playing songs like Abba's songs and Kylie Minogue, and uh, you really to to get that to work on a dance floor, it actually needs very good bass because people are dancing to the bass guitar. They don't realise that's what's happening, but the guitar is just yeah, oh, totally. Yeah, you, you get to have that it. good groove down pat. Otherwise, it just feels like there's no momentum and it's flat. Yeah, it does. You're right. And um, I put a lot of work into making sure that uh, it depends on the drummer, of course, who I'm working with, because oftentimes some, oh, we're, yeah. we're working with session drummers, so you never know who's going to turn up and 
what sort of music that yeah. they take their cue from. But if I get a drummer who really knows what they're doing and I'm performing with them, mm-hmm. my God, do I have a great night. I just have so much fun when yeah, I get working you can with just, a drummer. Just lock in with them, get in the pocket. Yeah, I, I love turning around and I'm like, are you ready? And we do a run together. You know, we, they do a few time hits and I'll just do a quick <laughs> run or a slap thing or something like that. And the people in the crowd probably, yeah. <laughs> they don't know what's, they don't pick up on the nuances, but it makes our night so much fun when we're able to do that. And, yeah. Uh, yeah, yeah. It's, uh, it's a lot of fun performing. It doesn't, uh, doesn't have to be a chore, does it? It doesn't have to be something you just sort of get through, but when you've got really good musicians around you and I was watching, yeah. I was down at, because I go to Bond Uni these days, and I uh, was watching okay. these these students from Ormiston College, I think it was, perform at the Open Day. And holy moly, these, I suppose you'd call them teenagers or kids, uh, mm. they were such good musicians. They were just tr- such tremendous so cool. musicians, and they had it all down pat, and they were playing big band so they were probably a nine-piece band in terms of the instrumentation, you know, two guitars, bass, keyboard, trumpets, that sort of thing. But they were playing Beyonce songs, um, uh, ur- oh, urban tricky. artists. <laughs> yeah, yeah, but they were getting it right. They were doing it. and uh, Oh, nice. That's I was, awesome. And they had these three young ladies out the front, and they were just nailing the Beyonce thing, and uh, it was really incredible <laughs> to watch. They were in a school uniform and doing it, and, and I thought, my gosh... <laughs> It, to have talent at that age where they're going to be in a couple of years' time if they keep going yeah. with it and they foster it, the world's their oyster. Yeah, definitely. You know. So oh, that's so cool. You've got, you do have a few shows coming up. I'm looking here on a, on a gig poster. Um, so you've got a few yeah. shows at, um, at Soul Bar, it looks like, coming up in October. Yeah, got a couple of those. So we have our Sunshine Coast EP launch. And then we're also doing a showcase event, um, which is the second one. I can't think of that date off the top of my head. The 20th of October or 19th of October. Is that um, at Solba? Is that that one? So you've got, you got yeah, one on so Friday, the 19th of uh, October, and you've got one on 20th yeah, of so September. That one, yeah, so the 5th of October at Solba is our EP launch for Sunshine Coast. Mm-hmm. And then 20th of October... At Solby, um, we're doing showcase for the turn up event. They're doing a second event on the Friday. That's David Dean's um, business so we're organization. Showcasing that. Yeah, yeah. That's yeah. a turn up. Yeah, no, he's been telling me all about it. I wish I could have uh, gone along to the last one that he had on. It's just uh, what happened was because I've got the property there and I used to use it when I worked for Telstra, I converted it into an Airbnb property and it's booked solid. Ah. Uh, oh, wow. <laughs> it's going really well. Good so, use of a property? Yeah, it's great. I've got a wonderful property manager there, the uh, wife of a fellow account executive from Telstra. She looks after things for me beautifully. And um, I think in some ways it's been, I wouldn't say too successful because you can't have too much success, but uh, (laughs) we we have to book it from a wife and I bringing the kids up there. I I, I do consider it our home away from home. Um, I've got to do months, best case scenario is weeks in advance, worst case scenario is months in advance. Yeah, but, wow. uh, but I'd Will love you to. Make this year's turn up. I hope so. Um, it's just when you've got kids and commitments, it's yeah, just true. so hard to. It's not. It's not actually about time. It's about quality time. There's no point in me turning up somewhere and yeah. being a zombie. You know. Yeah. Uh, and yeah. that's that's always been the the challenge, actually. In truth, is that you want to dedicate, especially because David's a good mate. 
if I turn up to something like that, I want to, I want to be present and I want to help out and not, not help out in the traditional sense, but I want to help out by being attentive and anything he asks for me to yeah. do to help him out that way. Um, yeah. But yeah, it's just, I, I, I interview so many artists and we talk after the interview's finished. They go, man, are you going to come down to the show and we'll catch up? I'm like, I'd love to say yes, but I used to say yes to a lot of them and then not turn up. And I'm pretty sure people used to hate on me because of it, but I, I just can't say that. <laughs> Unless yeah, it's, that's worse. <laughs> oh, it's kids. Kid, kid, what happens when you've got kids is all of your time goes towards them. It's, it goes without saying that that's what happens. And you want it to be like that because that's why you have kids. You know, it's your yeah. responsibility to raise them. But you don't, as soon as they go to sleep, you think you've got all this in, this, you go, okay, when they go to sleep, I'll do this. You end up falling asleep yourself. You're exhausted. <laughs> yeah. So, I can uh, imagine. But look, good luck. Oh, if you do go, you know. I'll hopefully run into you. But if not, I'm sure I'll run to you another time anyway. Well, I think so. I think so. Because I'm, I'm going to make a point of, um, promoting your music by 4ZZZ, which is what I've done with um, Fragile Animals as well. I'm a bit biased, as you can well, tell, you. toward the Sunshine Coast. So when, <laughs> when I meet somebody who's... Uh, it, it helps when the quality of the music sounds like it could come from anywhere where good music musicians come from. You know what I'm saying? But the fact that you're from the Sunshine yeah, Coast yeah. is just an added positive as far as I'm concerned because there is there is a bit of a... I'm not, it's not a direct link that I can make between yourself and Victoria, but you're both tremendous singers. You're excellent musicians. Thank you. You're wonderful interview subjects. And whatever I can do to help you guys and promote your music and get more people to listen to you, particularly because with my podcast series, the majority of listeners don't come from Australia. They're in the United States. Um, yeah. Yeah, I, that, that's, I know how that's happened because most of the artists that I interview have been from the United States and that's, of course, where a lot of the uh, Fair. fans yeah. are. So, but they keep listening. I've got a core audience of about 40 or 50 people that listen to every podcast episode um, and then share that's it so and, cool. and get into the music that way. So uh, hopefully you get some love from uh, the good old United States. <laughs> Thank you for that. I appreciate it. It's been a wonderful chat. Really appreciate it. Yeah, it's uh, oh, as I yeah. say, you know, it's, it's always so good to talk to an artist from Sunshine Coast. You have been listening to the Scars and Guitars podcast series. My name's Andrew Mackay Smith, and that was an interview between myself and the very talented MJ from the band Dear Willow, who hail from the Sunshine Coast in Queensland. Thank you so much for listening.